God, we are so grateful that we come and we gather in the Word and in the Spirit, and that we can join our voices and our spirits together. Thank you, worship team. In Jesus' name. been on our weekends in study uh, that I've called Journey to the Cross, and for about seven weeks now, we've been thinking about this journey that I, I really believe every person, every soul must make at some point uh, in the journey of their lives, in the sojourn of their lives, and uh, I, I was thinking about it a lot, of course, this afternoon, and it occurred to me this is not um, our destination because it's not an ending point, but it does define our destiny. And so we really want to come to this day, this incredible day, because today we are at the cross. That's what everything is about right now. Uh, the journey so far, we've looked at eternity and the picture in eternity that really it's a journey that began in the heart of God long before you had a problem or you were born Long before that, uh, there was a journey to the cross that was planned. Uh, we looked at the journey of Jesus toward Jerusalem uh, that began uh, at the gates of hell, literally. Uh, and then the final days at Bethany just before Holy Week. And then we began this Holy Week, began to look at it. We really can't dig into the whole scope of this week because there's so much of the Bible uh, nearly a half of John's Gospel is this week. It's huge. And, and if you look at the other passages and the other uh, synoptic Gospels, it's enormous. Uh, we began to look at the events of Holy Week, and we've been there. And finally, we come to the cross. That's where we are today. That's where we are tonight. And so I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 27. Uh, it's about 10 verses, 11 verses. I want to invite you, to me it's just so very important on a day like this, if you're able to stand, would you stand as we hear of these final events in the earthly ministry, earthly life of Jesus? Now, from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. One of them at once ran and took a sponge filled with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, 
and the rocks were split. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs, after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. When the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. There were also many women there, looking on from a distance, who had followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering to him, among whom were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the journey. But more than anything, oh God, we thank you for this destiny that you make possible through these events for us. May these events get hold of us as never before. And may we get hold of these truths as never before. In Jesus' name, amen. The events of Holy Week really happen as kind of a blur. Uh, Sunday, we see the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, and we hear all of the excitement, and the hosannas, and uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, save us now, and all of this excitement. And then things begin to change. On Monday, we see the cleansing of the temple that upsets a whole lot of people turning over tables in a place of worship never is really uh, impressive to those who are in charge. Tuesday, we see that Jesus teaches on the Mount of Olives extensively about uh, things that we've been studying in the past year about what is to happen in the end of times. Uh, Wednesday is a day of preparation. We don't know exactly what happens. Possibly, uh, Jesus and his disciples were in Bethany during that time. Thursday, we see a Passover meal, and then they leave that Passover meal and go to the the Olive Garden of Gethsemane, and then he's arrested there. And so we come to Friday, and that's where we are. On Friday, there's a rush of, of motion, uh, trials that are, uh, that are rapidly thrown together. Uh, the Sanhedrin in the middle of the night, that wasn't even legal. And then uh, before Pilate, and then Pilate pitches Jesus to Herod, and Herod pitches Jesus back to Pilate, and there's finally a condemnation of Jesus uh, by Pontius Pilate. And in just five days, after hearing the shouts of Hosanna, we now hear many of the same people shouting, crucify him, crucify him. You know, it just tells us a lot about how fickle crowds can be, how fickle the populace can be, uh, how they can miss things that are so very obvious, so very important. And by about 9 a.m. the next morning, uh, we see Jesus crucified. Um, Jesus is forced to carry a cross or a cross beam, probably a beam 
uh, and he carries that beam outside the city to outside of the city gates to this place called Golgotha, uh, which is the place of the skull. And there Jesus is crucified. We're, we know some things about that. I'm not going to go into those details. We've studied them before, but it was horrendous what was happening to Jesus in this time. And about noon, uh, darkness descended on the land. Uh, uh, you know, they point out, not on the whole earth, and in fact, it was a full moon, so this was not some kind of an eclipse. This was a darkness that came upon creation, that came upon the created order because of the great loss, the great grieving that was going on. And then at about 3 p.m., and that's what those hours mean when it talks about the the third hour, that's about 9 a.m. The, the beginning of the day was at dawn at about 6 a.m. The third hour was 9 a.m. And then the sixth hour would be noon. And then the ninth hour would be about 3 p.m. Jesus dies. And by about 6 p.m., I mean, this has just happened so quickly, Jesus is hurriedly placed into a borrowed tomb. And that's, that's where we are right now, and we're, we're waiting, and we're waiting to see what's going to happen uh, tomorrow. <laughs> but several things are observed and reported by the gospel writers uh, that we don't want to miss. You know, I was thinking, and, and uh, Mike and I were talking about, well, what, is, what are we doing? What is this service to be about? I'm so blessed to see so many of you here. It's about coming to the cross, and in many ways... Uh, we could say that is just a profound thing that you can't really say a lot about. You come to the cross because you come to the cross. But there are some things the gospel writers tell us that we really don't want to miss. And I read some of those in our scripture. Uh, the earth shook with an earthquake. I mean, this was huge, what was going on. Tombs broke open and people came out. That's unprecedented. Uh, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom, obviously an act of God. And this centurion, who's seen more death than anybody wants to even talk about, says, this guy was the son of God. I've seen a lot of people die, and it doesn't happen like this. And then at 6 p.m., he's placed in the tomb by these friends, these disciples, uh, Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. And the greatest power in the universe is about to be displayed. That's what we're going to be talking about the rest of this weekend. An incredible force that is revealed and is released. But what happens to us? It occurred to me that if we come and we just, we, we just, we read, we hear, we sing, but we don't engage what is happening here. We've really missed it. So what happens to us, for us personally, at the cross of Jesus? What is this about? You know, some of the greatest theologians I've ever read have said, it, it is a kind of existential thing. You come to the foot of the cross, something happens, and it's not just different for everybody. We call it atonement. And, uh, and we, we call it a, a healing that takes place. How it happens exactly uh, is, is one of the real mysteries of God. We see the elements here. And with most mysteries of God, we, we simply have to stop and celebrate those. 
Uh, we just said about it in the scripture that Pastor Ann read, Isaiah 53. But he was pierced for our transgressions. A lot of people die and a lot of people are martyred and a lot of bad things happen, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed. We talked about that last weekend. For our iniquities, which is iniquity is our bent towards sinning. The brokenness in us, the part of us that keeps wanting to go back to sin, there's a crushing that takes place in order to remove that and cover that. Upon him was this chastisement that brings us peace. Oh, the wondrous cross. We've been singing about it. We'll we'll sing some more about it. The chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. This is the truth of the gospel. This is the truth of of our faith. This is the truth of the scripture. First Peter two says it just a little bit differently. He himself bore, he took on himself our sins and his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. We're going to be talking about that in the in the next weeks that are ahead. By his wounds you have been healed. Did someone say hallelujah? Yeah. We talked last week weekend about the crushing aspect of the passion. I never really thought about it in that way. It took place in the place called oil press. Gethsemane. Oil press. Oil crush. And how in that place he was crushed with abandonment denial, sorrow, indifference, betrayal on our behalf, really in order to bring healing of those things in our lives. And many of us very much need exactly that, healing of abandonment. We felt that. Denial, sorrow, indifference, betrayal. But now there is more here on the cross. I want to lift up a few things that we really don't want to miss. The first is that Jesus took on the final chastisement of God-forsakenness. If you type that word into a word processor, it does not know what it is. (laughs) It'll draw a line around it and say, you've made a mistake. Um, But a lot of uh, thinkers and interpreters have come to understand this thing of God, being God-forsaken. Uh, and he cries out at the ninth hour, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He took on himself a forsakenness that you deserved and I deserved. He took it for me and he took it for you. I think that the, the greatest consequence of our sin is to be forsaken by God. I mean, there's a lot of consequence that we can talk about. There's a lot of painful and horrible things that we can talk about in eternity. But I think the worst is to know that God has left forever. We don't want that. And I don't know exactly how this works. The theologians struggle with it. How can God be forsaken by God? And I don't know. That's one of those mysteries. But he did it for you and he did it for me. He experienced this forsaken moment so that he could later say, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's his promise. 
Boy, if we don't get anything else, if we don't walk away from the cross, if we don't come away from Good Friday with anything else, we need to come away with that. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Jesus spoke words of forgiveness. He spoke many words, but these are some that just have a, a, a punch and a power to them like no other. Uh, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And he said this as he looked at people who were just doing the worst imaginable things that you can do to a human being. And now they had stripped him of his clothing, all of his clothing, and they were gambling for his clothes at his feet. It was as awful as it could get, casting lots to divide his garments. And that's when he said, Jesus, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. You know, it it occurred to me, you know, I talk to people sometimes and they say, well, I can't, someone will say, Pastor, I can't forgive myself. I said, why is that? Well, I've done, you don't even know. I can't even tell you what I've done. And how could God ever forgive me? Believe me, God can forgive you. Because he looked upon things that were horrific and horrendous. And in that environment, he said, Father, forgive them. I'm praying, forgive them. He never turned against those who were tormenting and those who were killing him. And he could have at any moment. And he speaks words of forgiveness to you and to me. The third thing is that he spoke life in the face of death. We find it in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, uh, when the thief on the cross said, uh, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Boy, is that a simple prayer or what? Sometimes we get all caught up in, well, I don't know if you really repented enough, or I don't know if I said the right prayers, or I don't know, did I structure that correctly? And we, we get we get engaged with that kind of thing. And literally, a, a thief on the cross who said, Jesus, and he said, Jesus, he, said, he knew his name, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he simply asked for mercy. And he said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. I talk to people sometimes and they wonder uh, about someone who passed away and they don't know about what happened. And I, I say, don't give up hope. Because we, none of us know what happens in the last moments of conscious thought before God. None of us knows. Now, I praise God that Jesus is listening. Jesus is listening for the one who would say, have mercy on me. The fourth thing, and I I can't see any of these are any bigger or more huge than another. He declared your debt to be paid in full. Praise God. In, In John 19, when Jesus had received this hour of wine, he said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The word there is one you may have heard because we talk about it a lot. It's the word tetelestai. Say that with me. Tetelestai. Say, Pastor Jeff even teaches Greek on Good Friday. It's a really good Greek word because it means the debt is paid. It's a financial term. It's like stamping a debt paid in full. Paid in full. It is finished. And that's what he said. That's what he said. 
for you and for me and for us. It's just this marvelous thing. You know, I've always tried to imagine this, you know, make a comparison. And I thought, it's as if someone went down to your bank and paid off some big debt for you. Maybe your car. Just said, and, and, and you got a notification, your car debt has been paid off, there must be some mistake. And you go down and you say, I'd like to pay this. And, and they say, I'm sorry, you can't. But I, I'd like to make a payment. No, you, you can't. Why is that? Because it's paid in full. Whatever that debt might be. And we struggle with this because most of us in our journey, we accumulate some more debt. And he said, no, it's paid in full. That's the amazing grace that we were singing about a few minutes ago. And so your debt is paid off. Hallelujah. Those are all four hallelujahs. So what do you find? What do I find at the end of this journey, which is a beginning? We're just really at a beginning point. What do we find? And there are these four things. That you're never forsaken. And that you're forgiven. And he speaks life in the face of death. And we're debt free. Praise God. The question taken a hold of these things. That's, that's the weird thing about grace. About grace, It's so amazing because all you can do is receive it. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. But you can receive it by faith. And that is what we're here to do. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And uh, so uh, get your packet uh, of your, your elements. And uh, we're going to share together in these elements... And these words that go back to that very week as we uh, celebrate and connect and remember so much that He has done for us.
was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. so 